This podcast is a project of the Massachusetts Cultural Council, a state agency committed to building creative communities and inspiring creative minds. I think it was even a struggle for my dad to they'd be like, we're no, we're a dance troupe, like we teach dance. I'm like, yeah, but those are people. There's, there's a whole human being that's coming to dance. Um, you can't compartmentalize the fact that they may be coming from a home that is not supportive and that they were sneaking out to come to dance. Hi, I'm Anita Walker, Executive Director of the Massachusetts Cultural Council, and welcome to Creative Minds Out Loud. Our guest today is Linda Sue. She is a dancer and a volunteer for the Angkor Dance Troupe, and welcome to our program. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you know the Mass Cultural Council is a huge <laughs> fan of the Angkor Dance Troupe. Uh, talk a little bit about how it got started in Lowell and what difference it's making in the lives of the people there. Um, well, the dance troupe is also a major fan of the Cultural Council, as um, as I have been such. Um, it's been such an honor for me to be able to uh, work alongside my father, who ac actually is the co-founder of the dance troupe. Uh, so some may say this is um, no, was not a choice. It was uh, you know a trade that was um, by force, uh, but. You know, Lowell is the second largest, has the second largest Cambodian population in the United States. Uh, some may say now, even uh, creeping up on the first largest. Um, and my dad saw a gap in the community. Uh, we resettled here uh, with no um, ability to speak English, uh, really limited resources. And um, while many were in the refugee camps, dance and song and um, was really what got them through each day and they convened around that, taught one another what they knew. Um, it was uh, during the Khmer Rouge genocide, 90% uh, of master teachers and artists and musicians or intellectuals um, were targeted um, and executed. And so what was left were people who had some knowledge or from memory were teaching one another. And so when they um, left the refugee camps and came to America, one of the first things they tried to do were find pockets of Khmer people to come together and continue the training. Um, fortunately enough for within our family, um, my great-grandmother was a master teacher um, in the royal palace for the royal family. So my dad started training, uh, classically training and learning. And when he resettled in Lowell, one of the first things he did was to try to find people who were in the same refugee camp as him and um, start a dance troupe. And so fortunately, we were in a city in, in Lowell that was very welcoming and trying to be as supportive as possible. So other nonprofits, churches, community organizations gave us gave a space to practice um, uh, and, and really kind of thrive. So over the last 30 years, we're celebrating our 30th anniversary this year. Um, and so for me, I was there, you know, from day one. I was three years old, training, learning how to dance, and have watched the organization go through many different phases. And, um, and the fact that it's still at its core, a place where families can still connect to what it means to be Khmer and give their ch children an opportunity and themselves uh, to really learn about uh, the beautiful stories that um, are about Khmer people. You know, when I listen to you tell really that whole history, which is, uh, is such an amazing story that you've shared with us, it really kind of brings home the point that these arts, these cultural traditions are not really separate from us. They really are part and parcel of who we are. Mm -hmm. And um, when you come to a country and you've lost everything, yeah. It's the one thing that you want to hold on to, isn't yeah. that right? And, and and it's it's that is so true. And 
that it's easy. It's it's kind of easy for people to gather around the 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 music, the sound, the feeling it it and give um, gives one uh, people when they're sitting sitting in the audience and watching their American-born children performing sacred dances from their country that they never had a chance to do or even learn themselves. So imagine, like, um, even for some of the family, my, my family that lives back in Cambodia, the first time they got to see classical Cambodian dance was when we went back and my sister and I were able to perform with the Royal um, University's dance troupe for them. For the first time, because it was life. wiped out. It was wiped out. It was not meant. It, it, it in its uh, original creation, it really was um, mainly for the royal family, right? And so it was not until after um, the genocide that people. That's why it was so hard because it was so it was so um, isolated in regards to only allowing the the upper class really to enjoy the the um, the um, art form that that's why I meant even more for the common folk the people from the country to really take ownership over what it is that like represents and resembles their their culture and so being here it's like not only it is is it about preservation and getting the next generation to be connected more closely to who their family who their family are and where they come from but even for the people who experienced the genocide and were born in Cambodia giving them that chance to, to experience it. What's it like as we move a generation and generation away from the earliest refugees who came yeah. into Massachusetts? And we're, we're still really desperately trying to hold on to their country, culture. Yeah. Now, you know, like it or not, you just become more and more Americanized. Yeah. <laughs> Is it more difficult to get young people interested in participating? I think that there's um, there's two different challenges. One is that we have to um, battle with Pop Warner and cheerleading <laughs> and gymnastics. And um, so getting ourselves acclimated to that, this is another activity that families should be considering when they have an array to choose from, that this is just as beneficial for their child to learn about traditional Cambodian dance as it is to be on a soccer team. But then on the other hand is that um, with that there was a gap in regards to understanding the importance of, of dance and culture because there's a generation that just didn't experience it, that we, are, we continue after 30 years to um, educate the community about the what was almost lost to why it's important that we're preserving this and the value of the dance troupe and why we're here. And that the kids themselves, I feel like um, ones that are trying to find who they are, will seek out dance, will seek out the dance troupe and see like, oh, I wanna be, I wanna be able to wear that costume. I wanna know more about what that is. Um, but it's still a lot of education, creating awareness, not just about connecting with the kids themselves, but the families, um, still not truly understanding what almost was lost. You know, like that, once something is there, people take it for granted, and like, um, they're just like, yeah, the dance troupe is here, it's great, it's beautiful, like they do a great job all the time, and that there's a lot of work that goes in behind getting the dance troupe on stage, you know? And so, um, so I think that it's not the disconnect with the kids so much, because we've they know us, We they were born and the dance troupe was there. So it's not like they don't know life without the Anchor Dance Troupe in Lowell uh, because it's in their school, we do residencies, um, we perform every every year at their assemblies. Uh, so they don't know life without it, but the parents may not understand that 
there was one time where we it wasn't there, there. at all. Yeah. So it's interesting because not only uh, does the dance troupe contribute so much to the young people who participate, um, finding their identity, learning about traditions that date back you know, long before they came to America. But isn't it also a, a, an amazing bridge to the non-Cambodian community in Lowell? Yeah, um, it allows um, a space for connection around art. Like, so you have the artist community, performing arts community, that there are practices and um, and kind of ways of life that artists can connect to, right? So like when we, we try to make connections around ballet and Cambodian classical ballet and that there's like these intersections of people like, oh my God, yes, we train just as hard and it's just as painful. And then others is like, oh, that's interesting how the movements are opposite of what how we're learning how to train and dance in uh, American ballet. And then we're with the community, the at-large community, the general public that comes to see our show, it gives them a glimmer of like the stories that come behind um, what my people are about in the country. So you have our classical dances, which are more very much um, m mythical stories that are like, we. I always equate it to Greek mythology. So these tall tales that really are about the spiritual um, components of like what my people believe in. And then you have our folk dance, which is like vibrant and lively and really, um, really telling the stories of the country people and how my people live, how they fish, how they eat, what they utilize in daily life. So you have this um, the, the opportunity for the, the um, general public, even though they don't speak Khmer and they can't understand the lyrics, but they can read what's going on on stage. They can see that there's a love story happening, or they're wearing blue and they have fishing baskets, so they must be by the water fishing, you know. And so, um, so it does. It, it's really fun, and I think that as the more we provide, we are able to continue to do, provide those spaces for the general public to interact with us, the more they understand the story of the people and that it's not that dissimilar you know like when we do programming and we have um, the kids go home and um, ask their families about folk tales like from back in the days and like you know if you ask your grandparents to tell a story there's always like lessons in their stories and when we trans when the kids take the stories and they translate them they're like oh yeah I mean I've heard someone say oh you know always be good and be nice to others because if you want to be treated that way and that there's like these same lessons just in a different language the other thing I think that is such a wonderful um, outcome of what you're doing uh, uh, with the Angkor Dance Group is it has really become a point of pride for the entire community, not just the Cambodian community. Yeah. I mean, people of Lowell are really proud yeah. to have this amazing yeah. art form there and that's become part of the broader traditions of the community, not yeah. just the Cambodian yeah. traditions. Yeah, I mean, you think about um, that the long-lasting impact that it's having um, representing the city, representing uh, performing arts, um, that yes, is about preservation of the Khmer dance, but that because we've been there and we have become integrated into being part of the city's soul that um, you know you can't you can't almost talk about Lowell without thinking about the cultural communities there and when we say cultural communities everybody knows we're talking about at least um, uh, most of the time we're talking about the Khmer community because what it makes up a third of the population and to see that the community is thriving in various different aspects maybe dance maybe business or just the young professionals growing up and now vested in like ensuring that uh, the city continues to thrive that we all have played a role and you know fortunately enough the dance troupe has been there um, you know for since the community's settlement one of the things that I wanted to talk a little bit about as well is 
you are also part of our cohort of creative youth development programs, mm -hmm. which goes above and beyond the artistic rigor and the preservation of an art mm -hmm. form. It's really about transforming the lives of young people. Yeah. Can you share a couple of stories about that? Uh, well, you're listening to one of the <laughs> success stories, you know, I mean like the dance troupe uh, in, the, in its prime like kind of time in regards to really providing that safe space for young people. Um, that was my generation, you know, I was I was the one that got to benefit from um, extended um, after school programs that allowed me and my friends who didn't look like other people in class to come and like share a space where we could kind of talk about our struggles of, of being bicultural. And like, what does that mean to be one? I'm American, I was born here, but no, yes, you're American, but your family is Khmer, and you eat different foods than your friends do, and you wear different clothing when you you go to a temple. And so, you know, for for our generation, like being able to um, have uh, the support of funding, like um, uh, like the youth development programming, youth reach, uh, um, and providing that space providing transportation for young people from schools to get to the space that, that we were rehearsing in, um, providing enrichment opportunities to connect to, to things like thinking about college and thinking about career paths that we may be a wee little dance troupe, but it was it's so much more than that, right? So the core of it was um, uh, providing a space to learn the disciplines of dance, but in, in that we were building relationships, we were connected with mentors, uh, people who are still so vested not only in um, the troupe, but in, in the young people and the young adults who now, you know, you ha I'm, I was once the executive director of the troupe, I worked for the National Park, I worked for Lowell Community Health Center, we have dancers who are teachers in the public school system, who are um, designers and fashion, like they're open, they're entrepreneurs in the community, and all because there was a space that provided um, us to be able to become confident in who we are. That we, it is, yes, we are Khmer American, and um, and it's okay to be both, right? And it was the, this. It, there sometimes there's this like wanting to be more American because it, it was easier. It was just simple, like oh, I don't want to dance. I want to just play basketball, and or dance or do something different that's not Khmer. And then it was the opportunity to develop. And then when the the school system was welcoming, when the state and federal funding is is encouraging the schools to say, how do we um, provide a space so that uh, the the troop and the community can share with others in a way where uh, there's an understanding, so that there's compassion, and that they may speak a different language and they may eat different foods, but how do we embrace that? And this the funding, um, you know, went on. It continues to go on, and it, it's developing um, the, even the, this next cohort of dancers to take on more leadership roles and to understand, like there's dance and then there's a the performance aspect, but then there's this whole managing an organization and what it means to like have people who under, um, who will manage it and manage it correctly and manage it responsibly. Um, and so it's interesting to see the young people all like have in different interests. They want to learn how to manage the stage. They want to learn how to play the music. They want to understand like how do we deal with our vendors when they call us and want to get us to perform at places. So all of those all of all of those avenues um, being able to have funding to provide that space for them it, it, it I think it was even a struggle for my dad to they'd be like we're no we're a dance troupe like we teach dance I'm like yeah but those are people there's a whole human being that's coming to dance um, you can't compartmentalize the fact that they may be coming from a home that is not supportive and that they were sneaking out to come to dance or you know that they're not going to school 
but they're coming to dance every week. You know, and we, we need to address that. And, you know, working in collaboration with other youth organizations, of course, within the city, Lowell has amazing youth development organizations, but being able to have that network to ensure that beyond dance and the troop, what we can provide, that the youth are also very connected to other resources to make sure that they're and they now, thrive. how many generations later? I mean, you were three years yeah. old, and now... I know. <laughs> I mean, well, there's three decades, so there's okay. definitely... I mean, we do have families who, uh, you know, are start their grandchildren... Are now coming through the program. Starting So that tells you, I mean, because that's that was really the genius of thinking about it as an organization, because yeah. that's what gave it its sustainability, so yeah. that it would be there. Yeah. Not only would the art form be there that you've preserved and conserved and protected and practiced... Yeah but also the organization that delivers that art form and engages the young people. Yeah. Better and better all the time. I know. <laughs> we'll try. We'll try. <laughs> oh, Linda Sood, dancer and volunteer with the Angkor Dance Troupe in Lowell, another one of our creative minds out loud. Thank you. To learn more about this episode and to subscribe, visit creativemindsoutloud.org.